0: You deserve an advocate. The advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com. This is is Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Who's got more famous, just instantly recognizable guitar riffs than Keith Richards? I'd say answer nobody. Welcome back little Rolling Stones for you here on your Monday. Hopefully you're um, either out and about, enjoying this here radio show in some form or fashion, whether you're listening on 1029 ESPN Radio, watching, streaming, SWX Montana Television, ESPN MT app. Maybe you're on your morning hike listening to on the podcast. Appreciate you being here. Uh, sunny and uh, almost warm. Here in the city of Missoula today, so happy about that, especially after a uh, snowy, cold weekend. I know I've been clowning around and uh, sort of playing contrarian like always about the the harsh winter we've had, because I, I do think it's important for all the new people around here to get acclimated to what it's like here in Montana. But I'm over it. <laughs> It's March 27th. I played golf for the first time last year on March 25th. That would have been Saturday. That would have been nice. I would have very much enjoyed myself, was out on the golf course on Saturday. There's nowhere close around here that's even open for golf. (laughs) So uh, we need uh, the winter to be over. I'm finally over it. You've been initiated. Everybody's gotten acclimated. Let's uh, let's get away from this long winter and uh, again to spring. Got some fun stuff coming up for you this spring. I've been scheming it up. That's what I was doing today. Coming up with some of our promotions and how do we take the show on the road and uh, you know how do I get to play a little golf and then also you know pay a few bills and also bring the show to you. We'll we'll keep you apprised of what I figure out, but uh, when it involves summer, the radio, traveling radio show, it's pretty easy to come up with ideas. Missed anything in the first hour of today's show? You can always find it on the Nuana's Now podcast which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. More Grizz football talk coming up here in just one minute. And Nuwana's Now podcast proudly presented by the MSU Bookstore. Your best spot to get blue and gold on campus on game day or any other day. Appreciate the M Store and the MSU Bookstore for their continued support of the Nuwana's Now podcast. Uh, We've been talking position groups to watch for both the Grizz and the Cats during spring football. We talked about just the general uh, role of pass rusher and where that's going to come from for the Grizz, whether it's inside linebacker, who they blitz a lot, outside linebacker, who's been the, the primary pass rusher for the last three years with Patrick O'Connell, man in that spot, or if it comes from defensive end or the defensive line in general, where you have an aspiring NFL guy, and Alex Gubner, on the interior for Montana, you got a bunch of guys that have flash potential, like Jacob McGowan and Hank Noose and uh, Cale Edwards. Who puts it all together, though? Where does the pass rush come from for the Grizz? For the Cats, we talked about the uh, spot at right tackle, because they do return a bunch of guys that were the core of the unit. Center, Justice Perkins, guards, J.T. Reed and Cole Sain, Left tackle, Rush Reimer. Right tackle, though, had multiple different starters there. Marcus Weir early, uh, Titan Fleischman for half a minute, and then... Uh, Jacob Kettles for the stretch run because Weir and uh, Fleischman got hurt. So um, three good players vying for that uh, offensive tackle spot. But then how does that trickle downhill? Because also Weir can play guard. Does that rearrange who the best five is? It's certainly going to have an impact on who the top eight is. So that's an interesting one. And then we uh, we highlighted corners at both schools because – you lose really good one in Justin Ford at Montana. And Jaden Dawson was a solid player as well. So you lose two of your top three corners uh, for Montana. And uh, then at Montana State, Simeon Woodard is kind of the stalwart now going into his junior year. But who else can rise up and be that other guy there? They've had sort of a – well, they've just had so many corners. They've had so many good, talented corners that have come in and had short shelf lives and then moved on for whatever reason, but they've continued to be good at the position because they had so many guys in the pipeline. I mean, I remember when Jeff Choate told me, he said, hey, I recruit three corners for one spot, always. We want we need a three-to-one ratio. Out of every three guys, one's going to work out, so we need to bring three, three, three. And that depth has then played out. It's, it's 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 helped Montana State there uh, as well. In uh, terms of the stuff we've talked about already, Andrew, I um, Anything to add to any of that? I mean, what, what do you think of the corner spot? Because we wondered for a while how would Montana's defense change when they got lockdown corners, and then they got lockdown corners, and it did change their defense quite a bit over these last couple of years. Uh, but they're gonna have to replace one of those guys this year.
2: Uh, not a ton to add, Coulter. I guess one more name, uh, Robert Whitehead is listed. He was a JC guy Corlac. last year, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy who's a, listed as a senior this year. Right. So I think they'd expect him to play a big role too. I think a lot of it really has to do... Uh, the way it plays out will be determined by whether Corbin Walker is able to take that number one spot, right? Right. Because that makes everything a lot easier for the guy on the other side. And Walker hasn't really had to be that guy yet because Justin Ford has been there.
0: Yeah. I'm so interested to see with Roddy Bradford, who's a cornerback himself, a 10 year veteran in the NFL. And then a guy who primarily and exclusively coached either secondary or or corner, um, whether it's at USC or then most recently at Montana, I'm interested to see what sort of tweaks he makes to the defense as a whole and particularly at corner as well because although Ford put up such huge numbers and was such a, a productive and really really good player for the Grizz you either have a corner that travels with a, a, a top receiver or you have a field and a boundary guy and and they switch based on which is the wide side of the field and the Grizz didn't really have that the Grizz were more playing like NFL style left and right corner like so It's not necessarily that Corbin Walker is getting elevated to the number one corner spot as much as maybe they do. Maybe they tweak that and they have Corbin Walker follow around. I just thought it was super striking uh, that, you know, Justin Ford rarely ever shadowed the top corner on the opposing team, at least not last year. Two years ago when they... Uh, beat Montana State here in Missoula, Justin Ford shadowed Lance McCutcheon a whole bunch. And, and that paid dividends positively for uh, Montana. But it'll be interesting because they have been able to. The, the defense is a really, really high blitzing, high pressure style defense at Montana, no matter what. But when you got multiple lockdown guys, you can really bring the heat. And that's what I'm so interested in. It's not just the lockdown either, though. It's also the ability to tackle in space. That's where Justin Ford and also Omar Hicks-Onu were so great because they could get off blocks and tackle in space because a lot of times if the pressure doesn't work, the perimeter's getting flooded. You're going to have to make a one-on-one tackle. That's also where Robbie Houck was one of the best in the business because he was so good at finding ball carriers uh, in the open field. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. All right, a couple more. Uh, position groups worth watching or worth analyzing for both the Grizz and the Cats. For the Grizz, running back, because Montana has had all sorts of guys get opportunities at running back the last couple of years. Part of the reason there's been so many guys that have gotten opportunities is because so many guys have gotten hurt. A couple of years ago, the whole story was centered upon Marcus Knight, who's no longer with the program, but he was coming off an ACL injury, and the Nick Ostmo suffered a foot injury that basically cost him the season, and then all of a sudden Montana's rolling with a redshirt freshman in Isaiah Childs and a true freshman in Xavier Harris and a true freshman who's a converted receiver in Junior Bergen, and then those guys all got reps and then also got nicked up as well. Bergen's back at receiver, although uh, I wouldn't be surprised and they wouldn't be foolish if they gave him the ball any way that they possibly could. Harris has been... Really good and really dynamic when he's been healthy, but he's had a hard time putting it together for more than just two three games at a time. Uh, Osbo was good to great at times last year, and Childs has kind of stuck with it, but he's been battling a hamstring. But then the number one thing that I am watching, though, is when does the recruiting start to really, really hit at a high level for guys that are coming off red shirts or guys that come in as super heralded recruits because I do think the guys that are really young can play a lot easier at certain positions. And I think cornerback's one, but I also think running back is one. So you know, if Xavier Harris takes the next step, that's really good. If Nick Dosmo takes the next step, you're, you're cooking with gas. But if Eli Gilman takes the, the proverbial big-time next step and fulfills the potential that made him the Minnesota Player of the Year his senior year in high school two years ago, maybe all of a sudden you have a new star. I mean, Isaiah did, uh, Afonso came into Montana State, and like the second day of fall camp, I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are all competing for the backup now because that guy's the the number one back. That guy is going to be the number one back all year, and he was. He was the number one back for the duration of his career while he was healthy there at MSU, and he set the school single-season rushing record. So uh, what if Eli Gilman, or the other guy I got my eye on, is Iverson Young, who was the uh, super talented kid out of Texas? Uh, depending on what recruiting service or whatever you believe about those rankings, according to certain recruiting services, Iverson Young was the number one recruit the Grizz have ever landed. So that's, you know, just shows you his talent. I just think it's a spot where freshmen and young guys can play early. So, you know, if those guys are in the mix, great. If they could take the over as the lead guys, even better. I don't know. I just think that. When you Andrew, when you look at this group of running backs individually, they're all talented. But that's also just the state of college football. A lot of teams have a lot of talented running backs because there's just so many talented running backs out there. How important is it to Montana to be successful offensively, especially if they maintain wanting to run the ball like Bobby Huck has always wanted to do, for the position of running back? How much can this influence their productivity?
2: Well, I think a lot, and a lot of it's also going to come down to how they want to use running backs in this offense. If they are going to be as run oriented, yeah, with the new coaching staff on offense, that's going to be something to watch. What Brent Pease likes in his running backs. I mean, yeah. with Xavier Harris and Nick Osmer, you've got a great one to punch if they stay healthy, because those are both different types of guys. Sure. Do, they, do they want power guys? Do they want guys who can come out in the out of the backfield and catch the ball a little bit more? I think it's going to be hugely important. I mean, the reason that you, you need that depth at that position is because it's so difficult for kids to get through a whole season without getting hurt, I mean, without getting knocked up. I mean, Isaiah Alfonso, physical specimen, right? Yeah, he played one full season. <laughs> yeah. you, it's, you're really lucky if you get one yeah. full season out of your top uh, guy, especially at that position, uh, especially in the offense that the Grizz have been running in the past because
0: those guys are going to take a lot of hits between the tackles. When I was the ESPN Radio uh, Pro Day. It's like Pro Day time, right? There's been some Pro Days at the big schools. The Pro Day for the Montana schools are coming up next week, I think. Uh, Weaver State had their Pro Day over the weekend. Josh Davis was a part of that Pro Day. Going into it, in my head, I had the thought, "Man, admirable of Josh Davis to go give it a run at his Pro Day." But I also hope this doesn't. I hope this this poor guy doesn't go embarrass himself. Only because Josh Davis was. An instant breakout star at Weaver State. He was the Utah Gatorade Player of the Year. Then he tore his knee up for the first time at Weaver, the second time in his career against Montana Western in what was a basically a glorified exhibition game. And then he battled injuries always. When he was healthy, he's a 1,200 yard a year back. He's, he's amazing. But he also had such a hard time staying healthy. And like when he was in Montana last year, when the Cats played that. Uh, epic game against Weber at Bobcat Stadium. Josh Davis looked like a complete shell of himself. Well, then he came back and he looked great in the playoff game against North Dakota. And uh, either way, he's a guy that, you know, he's been in college for what seems like forever because he had, you know, multiple injuries and multiple redshirt years and all that. But I, I was wondering, man, I hope this guy doesn't, you know, go run four eight or something on his pro day just because he's got such bad knees. But well, he was good. Uh, ran in the four sixes twice, so not, not necessarily where you need to be if you want to really be an NFL hopeful, but uh, he had a 10-8 Brad jump and a 38 in vertical, so he really displayed great athleticism. So uh, just a side note, but we'll, uh, we'll get you prepped up and give you full coverage of both uh, Montana and Montana State uh, Pro Day uh, as, it upco- uh, as it approaches uh, next week. One last position group to get to, the third one for the Cats, is Nickelback. And that's important because, first of all, I've talked about this on the show quite a bit, but, you know, I think people first kind of learned about what a Nickelback was because of the implementation of the Nickelback package in video games, you know, like in the mid 2000s, they they started adding so you you could run the nickel and you could run the dime and all that sort of stuff, getting a fifth DB on the field, a sixth DB on the field. When that first became in vogue in, like, the NFL, for example, it used to be, like, your third long package, right? You put a third corner on the field to guard the slot when when NFL offenses started using slot receivers or moving their tight ends around or or whatever it might be. But that position has evolved massively, especially in college football. And now you look at a team like the Cats who run a 4-2-5 defense, but it's not necessarily a 4-2-5 because they get that third linebacker just in terms of the essence of it and and its uh, support in run support, you get a lot of that from the nickel. In the last couple of years, the Cats have had a tremendous nickel in Ty Okada. You know, the layman's fan would say he's a safety. Well, he, was essentially, he wasn't essentially. He was absolutely playing nickel the last two years and basically three out of the last four for Montana State. And he's like, it's sometimes, given the down and distance, He's a, he's a Sam linebacker sometimes. He's a strong safety sometimes. He's a true nickel sometimes. And Ty Okada was such a versatile player that, that he could be all of those three things in one man. Like, on first down, he's playing Sam, basically. On second down, he might be playing rover or safety. On third down, he could also just play true slot corner and guard uh, certain slot receivers. So that's a very versatile guy to have. Where do the Cats then turn from Ty Okada? Lavelle Price Jr. has been more of that old school nickel I was talking about, the, the third down guy. You know, he can guard the slot on a third and seven and, and sort of take him out of the play. That's great. Can Lavelle Price be a guy that could play up in the box and be more versatile? I'm not sure. Rylan Ort has been good to sometimes really good at safety, a kid out of Missoula Sentinel who had his off-the-field trials and tribulations, uh, had a failed drug test from the NCAA and and was suspended for it, and then there was sort of an issue in reinstating him. But then he was back, and when he was back, he was rusty at first and then became good to really good toward the end of the year, and he has shown flashes of how good he can be. But uh, right now on the roster, he's listed as both a nickel and a safety. If you put him at nickel, are you taken away from your safeties? Because he's the best returning safety. If you put them at safety, do you have the diversity you need at nickel? Or maybe it's a little bit of a split, and Ort can play a little nickel, a little safety, and, and Lavelle Price can play uh, nickel in certain downs. I don't know. It could be a down and distance type thing. It could be a rotation. Or there could be breakout guys that uh, we don't know about yet either. I, as far as transfers, that I wouldn't be surprised that these two programs take. I think that they're both absolutely, almost certainly going to take punters uh, in the transfer market. I think anytime you can get a receiver, you go get them just because that's just the nature of the game these days. You can have so many on your roster and you just never know when you can get the guy to hit. But if the Cats go get a safety, I won't be surprised at all. They've relied on s- some transfer safeties already during the Brett Began era. Uh, the most successful one being Trey Webb, who came from San Jose State uh, and then you know, went on to have a couple cups of coffee in the NFL uh, but I won't be surprised if they take a, a safety transfer or some f- so form of DB transfer or maybe even a couple. A corner and a nickel, a nickel and a safety, a nickel and a corner. I don't know. I th- I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a couple more transfers there on the back end as well. We will continue talking spring football. Uh, I don't know. I mean, probably all the way up to football season because that's what we do. But thanks so much to all of our... Uh, Great sponsors for all of this, uh, all the support, especially during these uh, really busy months when we're on the road a bunch. We couldn't do our tournament takeover or all the fun traveling radio shows that we do without some of our great sponsors. Uh, our bracket challenge, we know that we do have a winner already, even though it's before the Final Four. But we'll get that all ironed out probably tomorrow or Wednesday. And then uh, we'll, we'll let you know in due time. Uh, but do do text us or call us, 406-888-1029. If you're one of those top 10, top 12 people right now in the bracket, it seems like it is pretty defined. But if you know uh, you're up there in the top six or seven, text 406-888-1029. That's triple eight one zero two nine. Say, hey, it's me, whatever your name is. My username on ESPN.com for the Bracket Challenge is this. Just so we can start to compile and and, and sort of hash it all out, we are given... Prizes for the top six finishers in our ESPN MT overall bracket. And then we have prizes for our our top three finishers in our second chance bracket as well. Thanks to Katie O'Keefe's as well as Uptop clothing for providing um, huge portions of our grand prizes for this. Katie O'Keefe's the friendliest casino in town. They're located there in the Stevens center. They're giving away a $500 cash prize to our winner. And, uh, Uptop Clothing is also providing more than $500 worth of merchandise. They got everything from Grizz to Cats to Montana Tech, Montana Western, everything in between. Uh, And Uptop Clothing not only giving you a whole whole bunch of merchandise, they're also giving you a discount any and every time you shop at TeamUptop.com. So go use the uh, checkout code ESPN5 at TeamUptop.com. We'll take a little bit of an early break and we'll talk our way around the wide world of track and field here uh, in the state of Montana. River City Runners and early track and field season style. Next, keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
1: is now on ESPN
0: Radio. I've always been up and down with the police, but I love that song. Welcome back. A little message in a bottle for you here on your Monday. Thanks for chilling with us. Hope we have a great start to your week. This is Duan is now on ESPN Radio. Lamar Jackson demanded a trade. About oh, I don't know, a month ago. <laughs> Amazing, as senator raps wraps to that exact moment, but Jackson uh, released a statement basically via his personal Twitter account today, so sounds like, as has been massively speculated and debated, Lamar Jackson, uh, his time with the Baltimore Ravens is finished. Wow. I don't know what I think of that. I, 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 I'm happy for Lamar Jackson to get a fresh start I think that Lamar Jackson is, is one of the most interesting and polarizing athletes in the National Football League because on one hand, I do believe he's over-criticized and people are missing what makes him so special. And on the other hand, I feel like he's sort of stuck in this corner because of the fact that he's objectively stuck in this corner where he has had a hard time in playoff games, and I totally understand. So what are you trading if you get uh, if you are trading for Lamar Jackson? Well, I think you're going to be competitive for sure. I mean, I think he's a guy that's absolutely a playoff-level quarterback all day. Then the issue is, though, what happens when you get to the playoffs, but maybe part of it wasn't uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, who's Lamar Jackson to give the ball to, right? Like, the the Bravens have had a, a collection of running backs, none of whom are really headliners, they, they have a tradition of being great on the offensive line, but that's been sort of up and down as well lately. And, I mean, name me some some Lamar Jackson receivers, right? Mark Andrews is a good tight end, but they traded Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals. That was Lamar Jackson's boy. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad for Lamar Jackson he gets a fresh start. I'll tell you this. I'd take Lamar Jackson in Minnesota all day long. <laughs> Give Lamar Jackson on the Vikings. Let's go. And maybe a fresh start would do them good. I don't know. Let's dive into our River City Runners. We haven't done this in a little while. This is where we talk about running of all sorts, but track and field, Bradley, not only here in the River City of Missoula, but also throughout the state of Montana as well. Here's some uh, of my favorite storylines in the wide world of track and field. We'll start with the collegiate level because I do think right now we're the best athletes in the state of Montana Point blank period in any sport is a guy that has certainly become a friend of this show, and that's what happens when you are running world class times and uh, shattering program and conference records, and you're competing at the United States Track and Field Trials, and you know, I mean, you're running literally historic times in the track uh, in the collegiate track and field world. It's Duncan Hamilton. He he has been um, truly peerless. Uh, he's the type of guy that's a, a true program elevator. I mean, to have a a kid who's from Bozeman, Montana, who is competing on the the truly world stage, who's in nationals pretty much every single year, who you know is wearing your your colors with such pride on such a huge stage, it's amazing. I mean, the the kid is already uh, a seven-time All-American. He has run some of the fastest 3,000-meter steeplechase times in the entire country uh, at a variety of different meets. And he's also just got this unbelievable flair for the dramatic. We talked to him about this on this show uh, probably about a month and a half ago. You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. But in his last indoor meet... Hamilton goes out and decides in in his home finale at Brickbreed and Fieldhouse that he is going to set the the facility record, he's going to set the indoor record for Montana State, period, in the mile, and he's going to do it in the last race of that home meet with everybody cheering on, and he's going to pace... A set of three Bobcats who all break four minutes in the mile, led by Hamilton who read, who ran three minutes of 52 seconds to set the Brick Breeden Fieldhouse record, set the MSU indoor record, and uh, just go out on top with the entire stadium chanting his name. It's just, he's amazing to watch, he's amazing to follow, and uh, I just really don't know, you know, pound for pound, specialty for specialty, level of national prominence, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody, man or woman, any sport in the state of Montana that's performing at a higher level compared to the other competition on the earth than Duncan Hamilton. So uh, that's one of my most fun stories to watch because somehow, someway, here he is, and he's a senior. He uh, This is his final outdoor track and field season. And, you know, we never know how all these eligibility things work. If he just pulled another year of eligibility out of his hat, uh, you know, maybe he, he – comes back. I don't know, but I think he has bigger dreams than that. And it's not that competing in collegiate track and field isn't a big dream. That's a huge dream. And I think Duncan Hamilton, if he wants to ride this thing out, he can ride it all the way to the end. He he can he can make money for sure, running competitively. But he could also chase Olympic dreams. I, I I think that his he is a specialist in his specialty at a high enough level that if he took a couple more steps. He might be right there. I mean, he already competed in the Olympic, you know, the United States track and field Olympic qualifiers. So, I mean, he has been in the race. And uh, so then if you can just get up a couple spots in that race, uh, that'll be pretty fun. The other uh, track athlete at Montana we're going to do some of the most fun athletes uh, on both these college rosters here in just a second. But another just truly headlining athlete for the MSU women, and make no mistake, they have done a great job of building up the overall prestige on a conference, regional, and national level for both their um, men's and women's programs. But it's Lucy Corbett. She is a five-time champion in the high jump. She is certainly one of the great high jumpers. Uh, in the in the history of the Big Sky Conference. And she also has advanced all the way to the national level, competing at the national meets, both indoors and outdoors, and also competing in those USA Dragon uh, Field Championships a couple years ago, two summers ago. So uh, another one who's from Bozeman High, uh, a local product. And that, that's part of what's helped MSU raise its profile so much is just the, the ability to dominate the in-state recruiting battle, and also then develop those in-state kids to the maximum of their capacities. I mean, to have a couple of kids from Bozeman High just be your two headlining stars, that's pretty good. That's, it's great good fortune. You know, it, it takes a certain element of luck, but it also shows you the type of athletes that are coming out of Bozeman High School, the type of athletes, the type of athletes you can get in Montana, and how well they've been able to develop those athletes as well. For the University of Montana... Absolutely the top storyline is the man at the hill, the new head coach, Doug Fraley. Brian Schwein led Montana track and field for uh, a decade and a half. And um, there were certainly ebbs and flows to the program, but there was always certain athletes, especially in certain disciplines, that were among the conference's best. Montana has, has long had a tradition of having great throwers, both men and women's throwers. Uh, you know, Most recently, Hannah Fowler was out of Missoula Big Sky, was an All-American caliber in, the, in the, the hammer throw. And the Grizz also always had a tradition of great multi-athletes. And that's because Brian Swain himself was a phenomenal multi-athlete at uh, Montana State. Uh, in, in fact, a record-setting decathlete during his time there. Well, then, Schwein uh, was well. Schwein and the Mo- and the University of Montana part of ways, and there's a whole bunch of stuff we get into the weeds about all, all of the background there. But either way, Clint May stepped in, and Clint May had been the cross country coach for a year. And May has uh, a reputation as one of the great high school track and field coaches ever in Montana. He was the cross country coach there in Bozeman and helped build a unforgettable dynasty at Bozeman High. But then uh, when he was the head coach at Montana, uh, the program sort of got stuck in the mud. And then when he resigned, Doug Fraley comes in, but Montana doesn't have a cross-country coach at that time. Uh, so that's just it's just an interesting deal. But Fraley is uh, well-regarded mostly for his ability as a pole vault coach after he himself was a great pole vaulter. Uh, he has coached 17 NCAA championship qualifiers and 10 All-Americans. Throughout his time, mostly spent between Washington State and Tulane. Uh, but Fraley has big ideas. And he, I think he really believes that he could make uh, Grizz, track, and field into a uh, at least a conference power. Uh, but they got a long ways to go. And so that that's going to be a huge uh, analysis point to see just where they can take this thing. Montana State has risen. Their track and field program has risen for a variety of reasons. One. I think the fact that Bozeman is uh, you know what about 1600 1700 feet higher than Missoula, so that's a natural draw for distance runners. Bozeman also has the premier indoor track in the Big Sky Conference. There's only a couple schools in the Big Sky that have an indoor track at all. Northern Arizona is one of them. Idaho State's one of them. And you can argue that NAU's is, is on par with Montana State's just in terms of track and field. But it's a huge advantage having one of the only ones in the Intermountain like Montana State does because they get to host and train. They get to host most meets during indoor season and they get to train on that track all the time. Montana, on the other hand, is do an indoor track in the Western auxiliary gym where the volleyball team practices at the university of Montana. So the facilities are not comparable at all. That's part of why the cats have been able to pull away from the Grizz and, and, you know, pull away from pretty much everybody else in the big sky as well in this endless pursuit to catch Northern Arizona, which I don't even think the lumberjacks are catchable. They're so far out ahead of everybody in track and field, but regardless uh, the facility is one of the biggest advantages the cats have. They've also done a great job of recruiting in state and getting some of the best in state kids, so much of that is sort of the, the the majors that are offered at Montana State, and for whatever reason, track and field kids, which is another reason I love covering the sport, they're oftentimes very um, analytical and uh, sort of decisive, and that translates well towards being on a STEM school, a major in engineering. You know, like, uh, we were just talking about Lucy Corbett, the high jumper from MSU. Yeah, you know, she's a she's a. a uh, Biological chemistry major, right? Like, you got high-level majors here. Um, biochemistry, excuse me. That also translates to it. And then success breeds success as well. And they've done a good job of investing in it. And, there, you know, there's a Bozeman track and field club, and running's a big deal there. And, you know, they do have a, a fair amount of fans that go to meets and stuff like that. So um, certainly there's a lot of factors that have helped Montana State really uh, become a premier program in the big sky in track and field. Uh, can Montana find a way to mitigate some of those disadvantages? Because even though, I mean, those, some of those advantages that I named for the Cats are not new. The Montana State's been a STEM school forever. They've had an indoor track forever, and Montana hasn't. But Montana was a lot closer to Montana State, and in some ways better than Montana State, uh, for a really long time. And then it sort of all fell apart after Schwain... Uh, Walked away from the program and and uh, the COVID year, there's a bunch of stuff that impacted it. But uh, the gap has widened significantly, and I think that that's something that uh, Montana, Doug Fraley, will be tasked with uh, closing that gap. Here's a couple of fun athletes to watch from uh, each side of the rivalry for the Cats and the Grizz when it comes to this outdoor track and field season. For the Grizz, I, the Grizz still do have a good tradition of – Throwers, particularly javelin throwers on the men's side. We often talk about these champion guys because a lot of times they're from Montana. Montana's uh, one of a very few number of states that offer high school javelin, so there's a lot of guys from Montana that then get Division One opportunities. But then we also sometimes forget about these guys because they don't compete during the indoor season at all. There is no javelin indoor. So you sort of get the, the reemergence from hibernation from the javelin throwers this time of year. And the number one guy to watch for the Grizz is Evan Todd. Uh, I'll never forget the the Class AA State Championship track meet up in Kalispell a couple of years ago. And Rylan Ort from the Cat football team now and Evan Todd, who was a Kalispell Glacier senior at the time, Ort of Missoula Sentinel, they got into this awesome javelin throw-off. And the the ramp there at the, at the stadium in Kalispell and, and the way that it caters to it, It was letting these guys launch big-time and get big-time throws. And they're both going over 200 feet, which is huge for high school kids. But it was such a cool duel to watch. It was so fun to watch. And I always wondered, Orts a great football player, and he's got an opportunity to be a a big-time guy this year for Montana State. But I always wondered what would happen if he would have kept doing track. And either way, Evan Todd has kept doing track, and he's been awesome. He's joined us on this show before, and so it would be fun to see sort of the reemergence of – of the uh, the stud javelin thrower from um, Caspo Glacier. We talked about Duncan Hamilton. We talked about Lucy Corbett from Montana State. I'm also interested to watch uh, the continued progression of Ben Taylor or Ben Perrin, excuse me, and Levi Taylor, a couple of the other uh, distance running aficionados. Those two guys have gotten overshadowed big time by Duncan Hamilton, but if Duncan Hamilton wasn't there, we'd be talking about these guys all the time. We also are talking about these guys a lot because Duncan Hamilton's there as well. I talked about the the trifecta of sub-four-minute miles during that last indoor meet in Bozeman. Well, Perrin and Taylor were the other two. I mean, Duncan Hamilton was racing to get on the podium at the national championships in the 3K last year, but Levi Taylor was also in the finals. I mean, you're talking about multiple all-American 3K uh, steeplechase runners there at Montana State, and it's pretty cool that Levi Taylor's from Laurel, Ben Perrin, who's maybe not a steeplechaser, but also... Uh, uh, a stud in the mile, and the two-mile, and the 10K, and 5K, all that stuff. And he's a standout in a variety of the different distance races. Taylor's from Laurel, Perrin's from up in the Flathead, and, of course, Duggan Hamilton's from Bozeman. So there, there's an example of recruiting the great in-state kids and uh, and then watching them thrive. It's our River City runners here on Nuanas now. A couple other uh, athletes to keep your eye on for both the Cats and the Grizz. The return of Xavier Melise is a great story on the Grizz side. Melise was this breakout freshman who scored a whole bunch of points the last time the outdoor championships were here in Missoula. Crazy to think that was uh, four years ago. 2019 was when that was. I had a great time down there covering it. The drama was awesome. It came down to the very end with the relay team and the, and the Grizz men's relay team needed to score well to get a top three finish as a team. And... um Sterling Renault and Xavier Melise combined to run a gold medal-winning relay with a couple other contributors. And Melise looked like the next great sprinter at Montana. It's another thing they've always been good at is the men's sprints. And Melise looked like that next guy. Well, then he tore his Achilles, and he, we haven't heard from him since. But he's been competing this year, and so he's back. His last run, that's a fun story to watch. A couple other ones worth noting. Kelly Frolich is back uh, doing track. She is a Missoula Sentinel product. She was a state champion javelin thrower there for the Spartans. Then she played uh, basically a career's worth of basketball for the Montana Lady Grizz. But she's back on the track team throwing javelin, and she was the champion at their meet this last weekend. So she still got it, uh, which is pretty darn cool and uh I, I, I thought... I mean, she's a great athlete, obviously, doing Division One sports, two different levels. But I always thought that she was much better at track than basketball. She's a good basketball player, and she actually had a great senior year for Lady Grizz. Or I should say great final year for Lady Grizz because she still has eligibility remaining. But either way, uh, I always wondered what her top upside would be in um, track and field. And now we're going to get to at least maybe potentially... Find out. A couple of other fun ones from Montana State to watch. Alana Carter, we talk about her all the time, but she was the most outstanding athlete at the indoor championship. She scored 20 points, was a champion in the long jump and the hurdles, and um, scored points in a variety of ways. A Helena Capital product there for the Cats, another example. Uh, the in-state recruiting battle, playing out for MSU. Colby Wilson, he set uh, the Big Sky all-time record in the pole vault during the indoor season. And uh, he's back for another outdoor year, so can he continue to to climb uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, Paul and Cade Johnstone for the Grizz are two really talented twin brothers out of Forsyth. Cade's been hurt a lot in his career. Paul, when he's been healthy, he has been outstanding. He was on a champion mile relay team and also has gotten on the podium in the 400 meters a couple times. So um, those guys and their continued health, they can score some points for the Grizz. Jaden Green, also a guy that was an outstanding sprinter during the indoor season, can he uh, up that momentum? That's a, uh, It seems like the new coaching staff there at Montana has really helped him and his improvements, so we'll see. We'll see if he can take the next step, but if he can, uh, he'll be top-notch. And then a couple other ones, uh, a couple other gals from Montana State that we have talked a lot about on this show but never as collegians. Angelica Street out of Columbia Falls and Jaden Wolf out of Billings West. Angelica Street set the all-class state record in the Javelin two years ago at Columbia Falls. She threw 158 feet 8 inches, which is an absurd throw for a high school uh, girl. She then took those talents to Texas A&M for a year, but she's since transferred back to Montana State. So this outdoor season will be her first with the Cats, but she's a former two-time Montana Gatorade Field Athlete of the Year. So that's a pretty good get for Montana State to uh, get her to transfer back from College Station. And then Jaden Wolf was a young lady we talked about all the time last year because she was ripping the record book apart at Billings West. She set the all-class record in the 100 meters at 12.06 seconds. She set the all-class record in the 200 meters at 24.75 seconds, and she was also on a record-setting sprint relay team. She racked up 14 individual wins during her senior year alone, including sweeping the titles in the 100, the 200, and the 4x100, and uh, those... um, the 100-meter title, it was a repeat. She was also a champion as a junior. So now here she is at MSU. If she runs the same time, she's going to be in the mix for sure. And if she gets faster, uh, she could actually help Montana State make a dent in what's been a dominant uh, portion of a track and field team when uh, the Cats go against Northern Arizona. So, a couple, uh, again, a bunch of in-state kids. Most of those kids I just named. Both sides uh, are from the state of Montana. And that's another reason why we love covering track and field. Maybe we'll touch on some of the top high school storylines. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of history. That's our River City Runners here on Nuanas Now. We will take you home here, finish you up on a Monday. Keep it right here. It's ESPN Radio. Colter Nuwana is coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company on behalf of both ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports here with some of our friends from Blackfoot Communications, one of our great business partners at both entities. They've done so much for us in helping us develop so many different things at Skyline Sports also help bring you our ESPN radio podcast network as well. We're here with Hannah Kreis from Blackfoot Communications. She is a business development representative. Tell people just about your history at Blackfoot. How long have you been at Blackfoot?
1: Yeah, I've been at Blackfoot three years now.
0: When it comes to just uh, your actual job title, what is it that you do? I mean, what is your primary things that uh, go on in your day-to-day at Blackfoot?
1: Yeah, so I target and work with small businesses um, and just helping them get connected to internet and phone services, just smaller grade equipment and services that they might need and not all of the bigger enterprise.
0: What's your favorite part about your job at Blackfoot?
1: I like connecting with people and meeting new people and going out and just having those conversations and getting to know them in the community.
0: And how about just the organization in general? I mean, it it, it seems like such a great company to work for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's very community-based, very family-oriented inside as well, and it's definitely very enjoyable.
0: If you want to find out more about Blackfoot Communications in general, visit goblackfoot.com. Great website, very easy to navigate. They can help you with all sorts of things, from small business development to any sort of fiber, internet, communications, anything like that. Small business networking, all of it. Visit goblackfoot.com. It's now ESPN Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Welcome back. Go on us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for hanging out on your Monday. A lot of baseball coming up the next couple days. I'm going uh, straight here down to SWX to record with uh, Sean Rainey. And uh, I'll be on his show, he'll be on our show, but we're doing our uh, baseball division breakdown, so looking forward to that. We'll also have uh, some commentary and uh, some preview stuff with Jeff Safford, Andrew Houghton, our producers, as well as contributors here on Nuanas now. So that's uh, all coming up. Major League Baseball opens up opening day on Thursday. I really hope Lamar Jackson keeps wearing purple. If somehow he could get to Minnesota, I don't know how that's possibly going to happen, but that would be sweet because I already like Lamar Jackson. I read a – and I know the news of the day is is the final four, and I read an interesting article by Ivan Mazel, who's a national sports writer, and uh, it's getting it's getting criticized resoundingly on Twitter because I think a lot of times – it's just so natural and easy for us as just people, Americans, to, to take the low-hanging fruit. The games in the NCAA tournament have been really close. Uh, there's been a lot of excitement, as there always is. You also got a bunch of underdogs who are lower seeds. You got three schools in Miami, San Diego State, and Florida Atlantic who are all in the Final Four for their first time ever. And I love, I love the underdog stories. I'm just so interested to see, like, every step of the way that Florida Atlantic has won games, they're knocking off Goliath. They're David. They're slaying Goliath round after round. But now they play the other David in San Diego State. So can you have David without Goliath? Or then has it just become a battle of the King Davids, Right. Yukon is the Goliath that's left, but they were, they, you know, they made such a habit of going on these runs that seem sort of unlikely because, you know, they're sort of in an outpost in Storrs, Connecticut, but that's not, it's not an outpost because they can get guys from all the big metro areas on the East Coast. So I don't know. It's just a, It's a fascinating dynamic, and I'm very much interested. I think uh, people that are just casual college basketball fans, I think they are absolutely interested in a Final Four that has a nine seed and two five seeds in it. I think they're absolutely interested in all that. What's the give and take, though, with the big-time fan bases not being there like Duke and North Carolina Kansas? I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation topic, and one we will continue uh, to analyze throughout the rest of the week. Tomorrow, we are choosing officially our... Uh, vertical Rays players of the year for AA and A boys and girls basketball. We also got our Treasure State Stars, Sean Rainey, baseball, and an old buddy of mine who also happens to be the head coach at Manhattan Christian High School, Lane Glouse. He'll join us as well. Jam-packed lineup tomorrow. We'll see you then. This has been Newanas Now, ESPN Radio.